Okay, we're talking about Boba Fett, Hairspray, and Mrs. Maisel. Get over it. It's Mishmash Day on Spoiler Koala. Darth Vader is Luke's dad. No, duh. Mr. Collins marries Lizzie. That never happened. Uncle Ben dies. That's a spoiler. Spoiler. Koala! Welcome back, everybody, to another wonderful episode of Spoiler Koala. Diana, how you doing? I am doing wonderful, thank you. Oh, that's good. I am um, aware that one of these three you watched without me. I did. Yeah, so, you know, it's betrayal this week, but it's okay. Just because, you know, there's a Jesus in the room doesn't mean that there's not a Judas. Wow, (laughs) coming in hot. Oh, my gosh. Okay, also, in my defense, um, somebody could have watched it with me, but they decided to, you know, want to be productive instead. So. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, which of these three things you want to start talking about? You want to start with your betrayal? You want to start with Star Wars? You want to start with uh, Maisel? Yes, let's start with Hairspray. I will not refer to it as my betrayal. Yeah. Yeah, so last night, um, after I had left your presence you decided on your own to watch hairspray (laughs) a show that you have repeatedly said is the only musical you enjoy and i have not seen it in years and you decided to watch it without me (laughs) okay well i mean it's like it's one of the few musicals i enjoy because like there are a couple but um I forgot how much I liked Hairspray until I watched it last night. And um, it was funny, too, because my dad, uh, he really likes to watch movies as well. So um, he was like doing some late night snacking and I was just kind of like reading a book. And then I noticed him kind of like lingering around a little bit. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, maybe he'll watch a movie with me. So uh, we just randomly picked Hairspray and um, it was one of the best decisions because I had completely forgotten how joyful that movie is. Yeah. And like, and they're kind of dealing with like some heavy topics, no pun intended, but apparently it just happened. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, they're dealing with like racism in the sixties and like, uh, you know, like how that affected like television and they're dealing with um, like uh, also representation on television as far mm-hmm. as like not just with yeah. race, but then with size and like um, and all these things. And like uh, there's like an um, what is it? Interracial love story. Sure. All this like they're dealing with all these like really heavy topics. And you would think that it would really like make the movie uh you know, kind of. It sounds like a downer. Yeah, yeah. But they really managed to do it in a way that was just, I don't know. It was just so much fun. Yeah. I love musicals. 
I think a good musical is brilliant. It somehow goes ahead and bridges the gap between like reality and just like cartoon logic because just randomly people start singing and you know you can have a really feel good thing or you could have really like powerful emotional moments just because music sometimes just has the ability to elevate emotion yeah mm -hmm. and it was interesting too because they're dealing like musicals really have the power to deal with very difficult issues and if they do it right they can still they can still point out like important things but it doesn't feel like either preachy or depressive or depressive oh gosh depressing depressing um, yeah and west side story i am 100 shading you because you failed with this <laughs> yeah you found it to be a bit too dark yeah so i was i was just so pleasantly surprised to remember that like hairspray really dealt with like these things in such a deft manner yeah who um who's your favorite character in it oh my gosh Sean. all the actors everybody is my favorite character everybody's your favorite character yeah. nikki blonsky is the lead and she is just like a ray of sunshine so i really liked her mm -hmm. and just and just like singing ability alone oh my gosh she's really good um and of course, but my favorite, my favorite, my favorite. Okay, one of my favorites is Zac Efron as Link. Hot, hot, hot. What in the world is going on? I'm making Legend of Zelda references. Oh, okay. Hey, listen. <laughs> yeah, th this is definitely one of the key differences between us. I don't understand video game. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, Mario, kind of, and that's it. Yeah. But <laughs> so. well, cool. Um, so, Zach Efron, what, what did he do? He was, like, a pretty boy, wasn't he? I mean, obviously, but <laughs> I don't really remember what his plot points were. Yeah, well, he, I mean, his boy, his, oh, wow. Words oh. are Words are tough this morning. <laughs> um, no, he was just the love interest, so that was kind of like his big plot line. Yeah, they did to him what they do to women. It's like, uh, please explain that sentence. <laughs> just in the fact of he was he was like the, you know, that like there are a lot of like movies where the woman is just the love interest of like the guy and that's it. Like there's no other reason for them to be in the story. They don't oh, okay. have anything else. Yeah. So yeah, he was the love interest of two women in the story. Oh, wow. So because even with the, um, even when they had the whole plot uh, of them, you know, marching to, uh, you know, against the TV studio, yeah. um, he wasn't there. Wow. So, it was, you know, he really, he was not involved in like anything important except the love story. Yeah. So make of that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I just, you know, I really liked him a lot because, uh, first of all, he's cute and it's that Efron. But um, the singing, the singing was fantastic. And that's something for me that like in musicals, 
the singing bothers me most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and like all that, like, I'm sorry, but like, it's just difficult to try to get past the fact that like people are just randomly like in a grocery store and all of a sudden they're doing this like number with costumes and lights and sounds. And it's like, you're in a grocery store. Just pick up your cantaloupe and get out of the store. <laughs> so, but with, you know, with the entire movie, all the dance numbers were in the singing. It's fantastic. I mean, with the exception of Zac Efron, were there any like big names in this movie? Yes, Sean. Oh, my gosh. Because I know like a big thing that tends to happen is like they want to ha- go ahead and hire big names, but then the big names don't necessarily know how to sing. You know, that was I, not the case here. OK. Yeah, no, like everybody, everybody was a big name and they could sing like okay. Amanda. They had Amanda Bynes. They had um, Queen Latifah. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer. I didn't know she could sing, but she can. And she sure. was fantastic. Um, I mean, she was the villain, but she was really good. Um, Love it. And Nikki Blonsky obviously can sing. She must have been on Broadway. Cause she had the, she had the Broadway vibe. Um, or it could have been a good director, but you know, sure. Don't get no, credit anywhere else. No, Sean, she had the Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody smiles that big unless you've been on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Walken, um, John Travolta. Um, so like everybody, everybody was a big name and with the exception maybe of Christopher Walken could sing. Yeah. So I feel like there are others. James Marsden. Oh, how could I forget about my king, James Marsden? <laughs> what did he do in the film? He was uh, the host. So he was the, the Corny Collins show uh, person. Oh, uh, okay. And he, oh. <laughs> this man was made for the movies. He has like the chiseled like jawbones and the, just the face. Everything is perfect. It's just perfect. <laughs> He's handsome Squidward. <laughs> I agree with the handsome part, not the Squidward. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> but the whole thing it was so good. I embarrassingly, I watched um, one of the scenes about three times. Like I, I watched it and then I went back and then I watched it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you were texting me when that happened. What What was the scene again that you you watched? Oh, it was the one where Link is singing uh, the Ladies' Choice song and they're at the school, like in the gymnasium. Yeah. And this is this is the moment where Tracy, um, she's she's dancing because like she's trying to get noticed because he told her like, oh, you know, they're for the show. They're doing this. It, it looked like a big audition or something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like you should come and you should, you know, you should dance and you'll get noticed. And um, so she came and there was a, there was a really great moment that I had forgotten about during the scene where um, in a previous scene, she had met uh, this kid named seaweed and um, they had done like, you know, he has this really cool dance that he does. Cause he's like super talented with that and everything. And also killer voice, by the way. Mm. Um, and he, you know, he did this cool dance and then she tried to like do it. And, you know, of course she, she's a great dancer. So she was able to do it. So they bonded anyway. Um, and he's one of the African-American characters in the movie. Yeah. And so they're, when they're doing the dance, they have the two, um, 
the African-American students are on one side and the white students are on the other. And they're separated by like a, a little divider. So sure. that in itself was just an image that like, that was, that was pretty powerful. Um, just in how like gross it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, but so they're, everybody's dancing. She sees him. She kind of like dances her way through the crowd to him. And they're talking over the, over this little like rope barrier. And um, basically she says, you know, do you want to do the dance that we didn't, you know, that we did in detention? Cause like, it was really cool. And he's like, well, you know, I can't dance with you. Like you have to dance with your people and I kind of have to dance with mine. And, uh, you know, and so they talk about how unfair it is. And he was really, he was so generous. He was like, you know, why don't you borrow my dance, you know? And um, so she, uh, so there's kind of like a break in the song and she gets into the middle of the floor and you can see everybody like looks at her because she's like, she's getting attention, you know? And she does the dance and it's a big hit and it's amazing. James Marsden's face was like, <laughs> the delight was just, oh, so good, so good. And then, you know, of course, Zac Efron like, you know, saw her dance before. So he's like super excited that now she's getting it. And um, his girlfriend gets very upset when his enthusiasm makes itself known. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it was just, there's something, I don't know what it is about that scene. I mean, maybe it's just because um, you know, this is her second time auditioning because she had gotten rejected from the first audition that she had done yeah. uh, because, uh, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer's character was, was doing this like weird, I don't know, she's being like super judgy and weird and, you know, she didn't like, she she basically called Tracy fat and all this stuff oh. and didn't accept her. And it's like, you just didn't accept her because of her size. Like there's not, there's literally, you know, it was dumb. Um, so maybe that's why, like, I just kept rewatching the scene because I just love to see like the triumphant moment. And also the performances were super good. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you've painted me a picture of the movie. <laughs> I've seen it all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, oh my gosh. You know, it's weird too. The movie just kind of hit different this time. I think because of the whole experience with watching West Side Story and being completely traumatized by that movie. Yeah. Um, but then also, I feel like it kind of ties into like the season that me and you are kind of like in right now as far as like career-wise. Sure. Um, because I I found myself... I find myself crying a lot more easily. I don't know what that <laughs> says about me, but um, not that it, it says that you need James Marston. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, not that I had difficulty crying before, but it just seems like it, it comes to the surface more often. Sure. Um, but there was this one moment in the movie where I, I think, um, I think she she had wanted to go out for the original tv audition and the mother was like don't do it you know they're like it's it's not going to end well or whatever and then the father comes in and talks to her and he like says like you know this is your dream like you should go for it you know and stuff and like I just I don't know I just started to like I just started to get like teary because it just made me think like sometimes you just need one person to like see something in you or to encourage you. Yeah. And then that could change your entire life. 
Mm-hmm. You know, because like if she had listened to the mother as as well meaning as that advice was, because she just didn't want to see her daughter get hurt, she wouldn't have went on that original audition. Yeah. And then you know, even though you know she kind of got screwed over with the audition, you know, like it, it was it was a chain it was a chain of events. Yeah. So if she hadn't done that, then she might have not you know done the thing at done the audition at school, and you know, and all and this whole thing, and so. I don't know. It was just really cool because it just takes one person to just see something in you or to suggest something to you or. And yeah, for everything to just click. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, speaking <laughs> of things clicking, there's um a certain comedian who uh, made some choices as well within the first episode of Mrs. Maisel. Oh, okay. I'm I'm trying to like get myself into a another show that I enjoy, but did not bring the same level of joy. Yeah, it wasn't as uh, it wasn't as happy because we were starting off. What, what, this is season three or four? No, this is season four. Four. So we've watched previously season three. Um, we we loved the show. Obviously, this was before the podcast. Um. Well, yeah, we just watched the first, was it two episodes? Yeah. Yeah, we watched the first two episodes of season four. And uh, spoilers, obviously, for Mrs. Maisel, but season three, she gets left on the tarmac um, when her show, her career had finally taken off. And now she's back trying to make decisions on what she wants and how to do things. And um, yeah, what, what did you think of this? This was hard for me because I was so delighted by the first episode of of this season. Mm -hmm. And then the second episode, I just felt like somebody just cut the strings of my parachute and I was hurtling towards the ground. Um, Okay. (laughs) That's a very, very uh, colorful image. (laughs) No, but it was though, because... Like the the moment of her, like all throughout the last season, watching her live her dream and really bond with Shy and and things like that, like that was so beautiful and satisfying as a viewer because yeah. just seeing her being catapulted to like this this level of like this fame and knowing that she was going somewhere, like that was just so cool, and then. To have that moment of her getting dumped, you know, basically on the tarmac, that that was like a that was a horrible moment, but a but the right moment to end the season on, because like that like that's the moment, you know, that you as a writer, that's what you do, and because sure. you can't have her be flying so high and then not have a crash at some point. Well, I mean, if you're gonna end the show there, that would have been nice. Oh my goodness, no, Sean, <laughs> <laughs> I would have, oh, I would have created my own protest writing letter writing campaign um (laughs) but like but then they had the perfect like they had the perfect moment of they picked it up right after that when she was coming back from uh you know from the airport and they're her and Susie are just in a taxi she's surrounded by all her stuff and she just melts down Mm -hmm. like that that moment for me like 
it was so heartbreaking, but it was so funny. Because literally at one point, she's smacking the taxi with like a palm branch. Or, you know, right, yeah, she it pulls a giant branch out of off camera. She's whacking the taxi with it. Strips down to her undergarments and smacks the taxi. I like that the taxi driver, like, he was upset, but he wasn't, he, like, he didn't try and stop her because she clearly couldn't make a dent on the taxi. <laughs> yeah, he, he was more, like, concerned. Yeah, he, he wasn't, he wasn't concerned for his safety or anything. It was more just like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> so like, it, it clearly tells me that this man needs his own series because he's obviously dealt with, like, crazy entertainer passengers before (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah yeah so she's made a decision she's trying to um work towards her own stuff now yeah oh see that that moment that they ended the this episode on um where she was basically saying to Susie, like you know if i'm not gonna headline then I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want to open for anybody anymore. Right. And I just like, and, and then, you know, Susie was saying like, you know, well, the, the business doesn't work that way. Like we can't, you have to open for people. You have to like, you have to get out there and you have to do, you know, you have to do parts of this that you don't want to do. And I just love that moment where she was just like, let's change the business. And it's just like, because I feel like that every artist can relate to that, you know, where you realize there's something that's very unpalatable or something that you don't want to do as an artist. And you come to that moment where it's like, well, you know, if nobody is going to like cast me or nobody's going to like give my script a shot right now or whatever, it's like, well, then I'll just make my own path. Yeah. And so I just, that, it, it was just, that moment was just so organic and it just was the correct point in her journey, you know, because she had tasted success, yeah. but then she'd also lost it as well. And so it's that moment of figuring out what do I what do I do next? And after I've had that level of success, I don't want to go back to where I was, even though that might be the smart way to do it. Right. Maybe the smart way to build yourself back up. And even, you know, she had even tried. Um, I can't remember if it was in this episode. I think it was in this episode. Was this the episode where she, they went to that club and Susie was trying to get her on the stage? Yeah. She took her back to like one of the normal places she had previously performed. Yeah. Yeah. And they tried to get her up there and they wouldn't have it. Yeah. And see, and that was so great too, just from a writing perspective. Um, Because normally with you know in the last two seasons something like that would have worked where like she would have gotten on stage she would have done her set everybody would have been a little bit like wary at first but then as she like as she got going they would have loved her and you know and the booking person would have been pissed off but the audience would have been you know delighted yeah but i like how they flipped that on its head and they were like no that's not going to work this time yeah. Where, you know, the women loved her, but the men did not love her because she was, you know, making jokes at their expense. Yeah. And so it was 
and and it didn't lead to anything. It got her kicked out of that club forever. Right. So that that was really cool too, where it was like she kind of she's become a different comedian and a different person. She can't go back to doing that anymore. Yeah, she got a little set in the prison cell again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you you did have some mixed thoughts though about the ending where she decided to do her next gig. Yeah. Uh, I was not a fan of her deciding to be the opener for like a burlesque show. And I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying burlesque because that's kind of a polite way of saying what this establishment was. Um, but, um, yeah, I was not a fan to me. It felt very much like it just felt kind of slimy because they had a man who was doing like the comedy numbers in between, you know, these women just like kind of stripping and, um, it, it felt like to me, like, like Maisel was looking at it as, you know, first of all, I can say what I want here, you know, which didn't necessarily have a problem with, but it was more the fact of she was probably thinking, Oh, you know, I'm a woman. So, you know, I can come out and do like the comedy sets in between this and like, I don't know. I can almost be kind of like, because I'm female, I can kind of be like more sensitive is not the right word, but maybe I can make it a little bit less icky because I'm a woman versus having like a male comedian doing, you know, these being in this environment. And for me, I just, I felt completely turned off and like just grossed out. Mm. Cause it also, it also comes down to as well, like how many of those women are, there because they want to be and how many of them are there because they feel like they have no other option yeah and like so you know it's like again like if they're there because they want to be i mean i don't i still don't really agree with that but you know if they're there because they feel like there's no other choice and mazel has a choice she doesn't have to be there and she doesn't have to contribute to this she does need the money yeah, but it's also it's just so gross because like why would you why would you be in an establishment where women are getting like objectified and like like why would you contribute to that? She's such a feminist. Mm. It's like I don't know. I just I didn't like that. It didn't feel it sure. just didn't feel like that would be something that she would do. Because she knows what it's like to be objectified by men and you know, to be in this like man's world of a, of comedians where like, you know, a, a lot of men are, are kind of, you know, the enemy here and like are not on your side and do not want you in the business. And so. Yeah, but then to double down on it and work at a place that gives certain types of men what they want is, yeah, it's a bit of an odd choice. Yeah, it just it just doesn't feel like her character. I just. It just feels like she's kind of betraying, you know, these women in a way. Yeah. I don't know. Just, I'm curious to see where this goes, and I'm terrified that they're going to make, you know, Mrs. Maisel into a character that I no longer like. Yeah. And I don't want to see that because I like her. Do you have any thoughts about where the show's going to be going? Because we certainly saw an article. Obviously, this is only episode two of Mrs. Maisel season four, but. 
we found out that season five is going to be the last season. So where where do you think that this is going to be going? I mean, to be honest, I have no idea because from the pilot of this season, I thought they were going to be doing she's making her own way. But now it seems like this could have an unhappy ending. Mm. Like, I, like, I don't know if they're if they're going to have her decide that, like, she can't be a comedian the way she wants to be. So she's just not going to do it. Right. Or she's going to attain some level of success, but it's not going to be what it was before. Or by some miracle, she's going to be on the road to, like, becoming a super successful comedian. Yeah. I, I don't really know where they're going with this. And and I don't I also don't know what's happening with the other characters. It's like, what are they going to do with Joel? What are they going to do with uh, Joel's girlfriend? What are they going to do with Susie? It seems like Susie is headed for some type of catastrophic end. <laughs> you know, like like with the yeah. gambling thing. So I mean, I'm in the, with the insurance fraud. Yeah. I I don't. I mean, I certainly think that at some point we're going to have the show start pushing Joel and Maisel back together because they are literally becoming complimentary. Um, Joel doesn't care about the same things that he did before. He's running a club. He's learning the show business um, and how to manage literally all the things that Mrs. Maisel needs. And then she's becoming a headliner, able to bring people and, you know, do her own thing. But I don't know if that's going to be like a final thing or if there's going to be something beyond that. Well, there there was that moment where he kind of slipped up and um, he called her his wife. Yeah. Was so I, don't was... would... I don't think well, that was a slip up. <laughs> yeah, no, the girlfriend was like right there. Yeah. I I don't know. I just don't know if I want them to get back together. Um, because I kind of like how they've see, see, you think they're becoming complimentary, but I think they're just becoming completely different people. And okay. I just think that, um, I also think that the show is lining up Lenny Bruce to be a love interest for her, uh, for Maisel. Sure. I don't think it'll be a love interest that stays. <laughs> I don't know. They have chemistry. I mean, every love interest that they've introduced has had chemistry. Oh, can can we just have like a moment of silence for Zachary Levi, who uh, he he was so good in the show. He was so good. I was so upset when they did not get together. Yeah. I was like, you know, Joel is nice and everything, but Zachary Levi... Yeah, that was fun. I mean, he, I haven't seen him in much outside of uh, Shazam and Chuck. And, uh, you know, he, he just had like such a great performance. Like, I really believed in him. Yeah, he's a fantastic actor. Yeah. I think I, I just kind of had him in the whole comedy uh, category in my head. Yeah. So I didn't think of him as being able to like kind of do like some dramatic stuff. Sure. And I feel like he really did a wonderful job. Yeah, I think he knocked it right out of the park. Yeah, I was I was very upset, though, when I realized who was writing this show, because I like uh, Amy and Dan. 
But I also remember that like, even with Gilmore Girls, there were love interests for like Lorelai and Rory that I really liked. And yeah. they never, like they had an arc, but then it was over. They weren't like end game. Yeah. So, you know. Unlike like, Joel. <laughs> who is clearly end game material. You are wrong, Sean. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's going to work out with, with his girlfriend. His name I cannot remember. Um, but I really like her. And yeah, but I, but I don't think they're going to get back together. I don't think so. Yeah. See, this is one of those things. It's like we've got a season and a half that we could, in theory, introduce a new character. I don't think Lenny Bruce is a, a long term. Like if, if they ended the show with her, with Lenny Bruce, I don't think that would be satisfying. Hmm. So it's like there's a possibility that they're going to go ahead and introduce the perfect man for her. But now they only have a season and a half to build and make the character something perfect. And we've seen her ups and downs. We've seen all these things. And for them to not have any part in this journey so far, I think it would be super unsatisfying. I think Joel is the only choice that when they start bringing him back together, we see how he's changed. We see him working, trying to take care of her, do things with her and encourage her. I think that is going to be the only satisfying catharsis relationship they could have. Mm, okay. You make a good point. I know, because I'm right. Uh, no, I will not concede that. But <laughs> I also read something, though, where I believe Lenny Bruce, I think, was a real person or a real okay. comedian. Sure. Um, I also read something where I... Okay, I'm not super confident on this, but I feel like I read something where he might have like committed suicide or something. Okay. So, well, if that's true, I'm wondering if that's going to be built into the show somehow. Well, it certainly, I think, knocks him off the list of who they're going to have her end up with. Well, I kind of wonder, though, if it's going to be a whole like they're going to get like close again because they're you know they they're kind of close already but they're going to get like really close and then that's going to happen yeah and then she's going to be completely devastated yeah so i i'm kind of hoping that i don't i just suicide storylines just make me like i can't yeah i hear you yeah i i would definitely cry i'm not gonna lie Okay, so we also have to talk about um, Boba Fett. Um, with yeah, Sean and I definitely had differing opinions on Boba Fett. Um, I was firmly in the camp of um, loving it, and Sean was not happy with the conclusion. So, well, they attempted to go ahead and set up a whole bunch like. Uh, the whole time through the show, it was tantalizing us with the legend of Boba Fett. You know, they didn't they didn't choose another nameless Mandalorian. They didn't choose some, you know, character that we haven't seen or haven't thought about. No, they chose Boba Fett. 
They chose a character that the fans have thought about, theorized, things that are now not canon have been made and publicized and books and like this is a character that people have a lot of thoughts about. And they went ahead and they placed this character now on the screen and made you want to see him do the amazing things we believed that he could do for years and years. And then they start going ahead and saying, oh, yeah, he's taken over the huts. Like, that's cool. But why? And then you start hearing how he wants to reform things. And then you start setting up the like the huts as the enemy. And it's like, oh, cool. He's going to go ahead and like, you know, defeat them. Or he's going to do some cool things to like keep the thing. And then we just see him get thrown around, roughed up. And... You know, he's not really allowed to shine. And then the the bad guy, the, the huts that were going to be the big thing, just kind of leave unsatisfyingly. And we set up a different enemy, um, the Pike Syndicate. And they don't really do anything. I mean, we certainly get a lot of mentions of how their spice and stuff could ruin the world. But we never really see much of that now we know that they killed the tuscans that Boba was living with and it's like okay well at least they're setting up for him to do something really cool but we see him get roughed up a whole bunch more times he's not as good as he you know as we think he is in combat he's not as good at negotiating he's not as you know and we get glimpses like oh it's like oh no he's he's just holding back the whole time and then we have the Rancor thing. It's like, oh, they're going to tantalize us, him riding a Rancor. And they have all these things building up. And then we have the final episodes. Oh, oh, oh. And then they have, like, Cad Bane show up and, like, basically threaten to be the perfect villain for him. And it's like all these things just like slowly building up, building up, building up. And I'm like, you know, I'm feeling dissatisfied. It's like, okay, they're at least like they're still going, I guess, in a direction. They've made choices that I'm not happy with. But hey, okay, well, they, they're, they're going to go ahead and they're going to blow us out of the water with this final episode. And they had the conclusion of all these random things. And I was disappointed. I was not disappointed because the see then again I don't have the the background in Star Wars that you do um so I think for me like I don't you know I really didn't know much about Boba Fett you know because even even watching like the other movies um that that character for me it was like oh it's Boba Fett whatever like I don't really care about him so I only started to care about him in this series. Yeah. So I think I didn't have high expectations just because I didn't know what I was supposed to really be looking for. Sure. Um, so for me, like the moment of him uh, riding the Rancor, like I thought that was really cool. Um, also, uh, baby Grogu got like some really cool moments in this episode. So that's my character. So I really, I enjoyed those. I thought the Mandalorian and Grogu were the best parts of the season. But saying that about 
Boba Fett is a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I think even I'm sure even Disney kind of figured out, OK, like the people who really want to see Grogu and the Mandalorian. So let's just get that in as much as possible. Yeah. I don't think Boba Fett is going to have a second uh, series. I, You know, even if they did have a second series, like, I don't know if I want it. Because they've they've made Boba Fett less interesting to me than he should be. I, I was talking with Dee about like my thoughts about how to reverse this um, because, you know, they went the route of he's an experienced bounty hunter and he wants to do right. And he's going ahead and trying to climb the social ladder and, you know, do things and take over, yada, yada. I think they should have reversed it. Boba Fett is an experienced bounty hunter. He is ruthless. He's he was willing to work for the worst of people. And he could have the same motivation that they suggested in one of the episodes where it's like he doesn't believe in his employers anymore. He wants to be, you know, a better employer. So he goes ahead and takes the hut's throne. He goes ahead and takes whatever ruling place they want to put him in. But then instead of having him learn skills on how to hold the throne. No, he is brutal. He is Boba Fett, the legend. And then. Since he has this motivation of wanting to be a good ruler who wants to take care of people, he needs to then learn how to be kind, how to do things in a nicer way. And then, you know, deal with the consequences because he keeps making himself vulnerable, despite not thinking, you know, Despite knowing it's not the safest choices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been a better way. And then you have like, you know, somebody who's Cad Bane who you know, comes in and is the perf the perfect bounty hunter. And they have that show showdown where it's like, you know, Boba Fett wants to do right, but is just teetering on the edge of being either a Cad Bane or being, you know, a good person. I think what they I think what they should have done um, just with the Cad Bane thing is they should have made him one of the main antagonists. So they yeah. could have had the Pike Syndicates. I mean, they could have had the Pike Syndicate, but it could have been kind of like a Trojan horse. Yeah. So like it was really Cad Bane who was kind of like the real villain. And I think that because they had set up all this like backstory that we are not told about, at least in this series. Um, you know, with Boba Fett, it's like, well, that would have been really interesting if, like, Boba thought that he was going up against the Pike Syndicate, but then all this time, it's like, the the big reveal is like, no, Cad Bane is, was the one who was driving all of this animosity, and he was kind of like, you know, the one pulling the strings. Yeah. Um, that, that would have been a lot more interesting, and you still could have had, like, you could have put him in the series more than he was. Yeah. Like the, I think sure. one of the big mistakes of Boba Fett was they introduced this character in like the second to last episode. So you can't do much with him because then Boba kills him. Right. Well, like, well, you know, you're teasing all this backstory and this like Anakin, Darth Vader, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi like type relationship. And then we don't get to see anything. Yeah. So. And 
you know, and it's one of those things that the show made a lot of great choices. Yeah. You know, the fact that they brought in Cad Bane was brilliant. The fact that they went ahead and tried to have Cad Bane mess with Boba Fett mentally before fighting was brilliant. The fact that they had the Rancor fight, brilliant. The fact that they had, you know, the Tuscan backstory and like, you know, pushing Boba Fett to like care is like brilliant. But they just the way that they pulled things off was where the dissatisfying came from, because like you said, Cad Bane came in so late and then, you know, we didn't. You know, we as an audience didn't get much time to care or like fear him much. But then he goes ahead and tries to mess with, you know, Boba Fett mentally. And it just comes off as like cheap. He, you know, he, he didn't have much time to threaten Boba Fett. So it's just like a one off thing where he mentions who killed the Tuscans and then like smiles as if that's everything. Um. But I don't know. Um, and then the Rancor fight, it's just like, yeah, we had to see him ride a Rancor. But, you know, the, the camera shots were always on the Rancor. Boba Fett looked like a rag doll on the top of its head. <laughs> I, you know, it's just each time it's like they made the right decision, but they didn't they didn't pull it off. I don't I don't know the right word for it. It just wasn't satisfying. Yeah. Well, what was satisfying for me was when they had um, Grogu and the Mandalorian, you know, their little like initial meeting. Yeah. And um, that was super satisfying for me that like, oh, it hit all of the emotions and all the, the cute factor was like. Oh, it's just through the roof. And then when he saw that he's wearing like the little like chain mail shirt. Yeah. Oh, the the entire thing. And I love to when like the Mandalorian says to him, Okay, like stay hidden like for the fight. And then without Grogu, the Mandalorian would have died like five times. Oh man. <laughs> oh, it was so good. That that moment where um where Grogu uh takes down whatever the Pike Syndicate like robot was, mm-hmm. that was cool. But then I think definitely the more awesome scene was Grogu taking down the Rancor. Yeah. And not killing it, just putting it to sleep. You know, like I just, I thought that was really cool. Every scene with the Mandalorian and every scene with Grogu was brilliant. And I wonder if that's just like, I don't want to say this. I know that like Dave Filoni did like the whole Clone Wars and things. And so it's like he should know, like he knows Boba Fett better than I do. But it felt like they knew exactly what to do with Mando and Grogu. Every scene that they had him in there was brilliant. It was performed brilliantly. It hit the feels exactly the way that it needed to. Baby Grogu making the Rancor fall asleep and then snuggling up next to it was really is so cute um but then you know everything with boba fett is just like it felt like i was watching somebody else yeah so i don't know i i think i think sometimes what happens with uh with creators is that you know you make you make a character and the character, like you're saying, hits all the right notes and is perfect. 
And then you you come up with another character or you, you know, you pull another character from, you know, it's like Star Wars did from their, you know, anthology or whatever. And it seems like a good idea, but it does not work. Yeah. And so I think that having Boba Fett as like the star, that was a great idea. But just in execution, it just didn't it didn't happen. Yeah. Just it didn't land. So we should certainly talk about thoughts, though, with Grogu, because the fact that he has the chainmail made means a decision was made. Yes, he's not going to um, be with, he's not going to be with Luke in the force or whatever. Yeah. So he decided not to be a Jedi, but instead to be a Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, I was so happy he made that choice. I I I certainly am pleased with the choice because then we get to see Mando and Grogu do more stuff together. I am wondering what the consequences of this decision are. Will there be consequences? I don't know. I mean, did he finish his force training? Yeah. You know, is are we ever going to see Luke and Ahsoka again? Are we getting like, you know what? Yeah, I'm fine if we don't see them again. <laughs> bye get bye. out don't let the spaceship door hit you on the way out certainly displeased to never see Grogu with a lightsaber I'm fine with that <laughs> I was so angry when they made when they made Grogu do that like Sophie's choice it was like this is stupid yeah this is dumb but they, they hinted previously that like one of the first Mandalorians or something was both a Mandalorian and a Jedi and so I really thought they were going to go that route. But now, I mean, sure, he's a force wielding Mandalorian, but he's not going to be a Jedi. Yeah. So I don't know. I was I was really hoping for that. Um, I'm certainly, you know, certainly interested in where they go with it. But, you know, I, I thought there was going to be like an answer C. I'd also really like to know what's happening with the Darksaber. Because he still has that, but he's technically not a Mandalorian anymore. Yeah. The Mandalorian. So I'd like to know, like, because I know he's going to try to get back to being one. Also, I feel a little bit angry at that whole thing because. You know, the whole thing of, like, not taking off the helmet. I just that, That's impractical. <laughs> Like they're making it to be this big thing, and it's like that's dumb. You have to take off the helmet. Well, that's the that's their religion. That's the whole thing. It's dumb, Sean. <laughs> it's like making Baby Grogu choose between the Mandalorian, his like father figure, and you know becoming this Jedi who can't get emotionally close to anyone yeah. and is completely like, you know cut off from all like feeling and emotion dumb it does beg the question though are we ever going to see mando give grogu a helmet that would be great i want to see that because if they're going that direction like i don't know maybe they're going they're gonna like change mando traditions like he's not gonna be a like the the group that he's a part of currently maybe he'll end up joining a different group you know maybe his own mandalorian <laughs> tribe 
or he could like, you know, since he's got the Darksaber, maybe he'll try and like bring all of them together. Something like that. Maybe he'll destroy the Mandalorian who de-Mandalorianed him. Well, I'm pretty sure Grogu de-Mandalorianed him. No, the lady did. I mean, she just stated the rules that they were all trying to follow. The person that convinced him to take off the helmet was Grogu. No, my baby can do no wrong. <laughs> but it is, you know, it's one of those things. It's like there's a lot of different directions they could go with on this, depending on what rules they really want to set up that, you know, Din Djarin's going to care about. Oh, I, I totally think he should bring Mandalore back to, like, its former glory. And then destroy the woman who, like, de-Mandalorians him. <laughs> you just don't like the... You just don't like the, uh, the the blacksmith lady. No, she's a jerk. It's like, who are you? Bye. Bye. I only just, you know, cared for you and raised you and saved you from, you know, certain death. But, yeah. Who am I? Thank, thanks for that. No need to be a jerk. <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly see where they go on that. Yeah. Glad to have uh, Grogu and Mando back together, though. I'm kind of curious, though, about, like, what season three is going to be about. Because, I mean, it, it seems, you know, it seems like going back to Mandalore, trying to become a Mandalorian again. Um, but I'm just curious as to, like, what obstacles are going to be. Like, who's the antagonist? Like, it just doesn't seem like that was really set up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would assume that the antagonist would be the rest of the Mandalorians. <laughs> but but see, but then again, like that's not compelling to me because but they've set up a failsafe. They've set up their Lazarus pit where it's like you can go into the mine or something and you can become a Mandalorian again. The mines have been destroyed, though. Oh, there there are no mines anymore. Oh. OK, so then. So then he can't become a Mandalorian again. Right. So what is his choice is not clear. Oh. At some point, he's going to have to go back to Mandalore. OK, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. What he's going to do there is not like I'm not clear on that. And that's what I'm saying. Maybe he'll end up joining one of the other sects. Maybe he'll go ahead. And since he's going to be technically leader of all of Mandalore, he'll go ahead and set the new rules and try and bring everybody together under a new tradition. Like, I don't I don't know. He'll become Darth Vader. (laughs) Maybe he'll become a (laughs) Sith. (laughs) But, you know, certainly when he gets a Mandalore, a lot of the enemies are going to be the other Mandalorians that he's going to have to either convince or at least cow to his will. Um, we're going to get Bo-Katana. No, is it Bo-Katan? Bo- the female Mandalorian that we've seen previously, she's probably going to be like a hesitant enemy slash ally. You know, where she she wants to rule, but, you know, obviously doesn't want to like kill him and, you know doesn't want to like betray her friend um so i don't know and then i wouldn't be surprised if we had some third alternative where like this like really bad person comes and tries to take it the armor lady 
Sure. <laughs> Turns out she's like a full-on jerk and wants to rule Mandalore. <laughs> well, it seems like they all want to rule Mandalore, so yeah. I feel like anyone could potentially be a villain. Well, I mean, she didn't, you know, she didn't try and attack him before. The other Mandalorian did, but she was like, you know, she was content not trying for it. Even though, since she's training him, she totally could take him. Yeah, it's the quiet ones you gotta watch out for. <laughs> so, certainly looking forward to uh, season three of Mandalorian more than season two of Boba Fett. Yeah, again, I'm not, I don't think they're gonna get a season two. Yeah. Because I, I also don't think that they really left anything, any threads for a season two. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. I mean, we might get a um, whatever the the marshal's name was. <gasps> yes, I forgot about that. They had that. OK, never mind. They did leave something open. But, but they that, could just make a note, their own show for him. Yeah, it didn't feel like it had anything to do with Boba Fett at that point. Yeah, it felt like this could be another spinoff series. Well. Disney's certainly raking in the cash of these shows. We'll see where they take it. But for now, those are our thoughts. <laughs> Thanks so much for following along on this random mishmash episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Maybe we should go back to the joy of hairspray. <laughs> no, don't get me started again. It's hard to get the spray back in the can. <laughs> Thank you guys all for listening. This has been Spoiler Koala, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye.